that is. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Hosea chapter 13. In your bulletins, we uh, said we were preaching about the second coming of the Lord. We had started a series entitled The Second Coming of the Lord. And this morning, I was going to preach another message about the promise. This one will be in the program of the second coming. And God, since we printed the bulletins, since we got those ready online, has just changed my heart. It started on Friday as I was in here praying. And it was a sweet, sweet spirit. I had two other gentlemen that were here with me. Sweet, sweet spirit. God had me to walk, start walking around the building with my Bible over my hand, just claiming some promises from the word of God. When I took a couple of laps, I, took a, I think I took one running, a couple of walking. And I got back down here and got to praying. Man, everything had changed in the way I was seeing my prayers. The next thing I knew, I took off to crawling. I hit that wall over a bear about that time and as I was crawling around this building and the Holy Ghost just began to sit down on me. Took a couple laps through here. Just I'm telling you, you, you go crawl this building sometime while you're seeking God's face and you see if it don't change your perspective. The next thing I knew, he put praise in my lips to praise him and begin to thank him. As I was crawling in that second lap, I got right back there where I'm pointing and God spoke to me out of Hosea chapter 13, one verse, number nine. This is what God told me to tell you all today as a church. Hosea 13, verse nine. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. I was right back there, and God said, you have a lot of people, including yourself, that your worst enemy is yourself. You're destroying yourself. But don't forget that even though you have a mess that has surrounded you, in me there is still help. I want to preach on this thought real quick today. There is help in God. Father, thank you for the privilege you've given us of gathering. Thank you for the privilege of allowing us to hear you speak your word into our hearts. Lord, help us this morning that someone might receive help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hosea is one of the 12 minor prophets. He prophesied during the days of Jeroboam and many other kings. He prophesied somewhere between 40 and 60 years. Jeroboam was the king of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam was a very wicked king and he led, he led Israel into idolatry and worship of images. Hosea began prophesying and speaking then during a very dark and difficult day in the history of Israel. May I say to you this morning, there is help even in the troubled times in which you and I now live. 
During this troubled time, Hosea ministered at least three great points. The first thing that he would remind us uh, is this, how good God is, even in troubled times. He also wanted the children of Israel to know the dire consequences they would face if they would turn away from God. And the third thing is he wanted them to know, most importantly, that no matter where you are, there is help in God. Number one, when I look at the text, there is the charge of forgetting the Lord. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. How did they get in this condition? What what are the charges? Verse one, when Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. So there's a couple of things here. They'll all start with the letter S. What are the charges? First of all, selfishness. Self-exaltation. Ephraim, his name means fruitful. He's the grandson uh, or the son of Joseph. He's a grandson in the 12 tribes of Israel. Ephraim, meaning fruitful, is the largest tribe in the northern kingdom. And Ephraim, having the size and the reputation, has respect of all the other tribes. But suddenly, he got lifted up in his selfishness. The Bible says he exalted himself. He was filled with pride. And he turned from serving God. And the Bible says he started serving Baal, which is an image, which is a false god. Ephraim went and did what he wanted to do. Hear me, there's a danger. When you do, church, what you want to do, you will lose what you have. Ephraim lost their greatness. Ephraim lost their influence. Ephraim was lifted up in pride and in arrogance. And when they did, they forgot the Lord. As I'm crawling around this building, God said, danger, You're a very blessed church. But don't forget who blessed you. The second thing is found in verse 2. And now they sin more and more. What does that mean? That God has warned them about their sin. But they kept on doing it and doing it and doing it. As if they did not hear the Lord. Or if they were, second of all, they were stubborn. They were warned about their sin and they rebelled the more. You know what your flesh wants? More, more, more. Rebellion and stubbornness reveal that we think our will and our way is greater than God's will and His way for our life. Amen. By their stubbornness to repent, Ephraim forgot the Lord. There's a third one. They made them, verse 2, molten images of silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it, the work of the craftsmen. They said them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Thirdly, by their service to idols. They, they made these idols to substitute for God. Come here, I want to tell you something. When I was in school, 
Sometimes we would have a substitute teacher. I remember having substitute teachers. And the minute I saw them, I thought, oh, great. Our teacher's away. We're going to get away with everything today because we have a substitute teacher. Except for Miss Rodenhauer. Miss Rodenhauer, we came in the room and thought, oh, we're good. We're going to get away with everything. And she took her shoe off and she'd throw it through the congregation of the students. We'd be ducking out of the way. And if she missed, we'd dare to throw the other one. One bullet down, one bullet to go. And when she gets rid of that one, boys, we got it made. Someone take one for the team. You see, when you try to substitute something for God in your life, I don't care if it's a pageant. I don't care if it's going to the store. I don't care what you try to substitute in God's way, you're going to get in trouble. You try to substitute ball playing. You try to substitute a hunt. Whatever you try to do to substitute in God's way, you're trying to get away. And God will not prosper you when your service is to some type of idol. Now, preacher Darren, I'm not bowing down to some false image of metal. I'm not that foolish. I'll not bow down to a head of lettuce. I'll never do that. Let me tell you, Bethel, what it is we are putting before God. It is our activities, our pleasures, and your prosperity. You have been so blessed and ready. Preacher, I've been praying for a new car and God gave me a new car and I had to get it on the parkway rather than come to church. You reckon you ought to put that car before the Lord? Hello? I'm just a preacher. Boy, it gets quiet in here, don't it? I'm just telling you Israel's got in trouble. Fourthly, in verse number two, not only service to idols, but they're shunning the Scriptures. Preacher, what do you mean they're shunning the Scriptures? God said in Exodus 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So they've rejected God's word as they made and served false gods. The, f- the fifth thing, verse 3, look at this. Therefore, they shall be as the morning cloud. Think about a morning cloud. It's coming up here to school the other day. There's a morning cloud. And just in about an hour and a half, the sun burnt that morning, morning cloud right off. Then there is the early dew that passeth away. Then there is the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor. Then there is smoke out of the chimney. Four metaphors, all of which are things that are here that pass away very quickly. The first, the fourth, the fifth thing, they are shirking God's power. They think they are self-sufficient. They think, hey, we got a preacher, he can preach. We got a choir, they can sing. We got musicians, they can play. Hey, we got money, we can give. We can have church on our own. I could take you to dozens of churches right now that are trying to have a service with a preacher preaching and people singing and people giving. But I'm telling you, there's no real power of God in it because they're going through the motions. Some people have got real good at church and putting on the show. I was right back there and God said, 
I don't want to show in here. I want people to shout for my glory. I want them to seek my face. I don't want them to bow there. Listen, I don't want them to bow down to all the powers of this world. I want them to bow down to me. I want them to serve me. I want them to stand in victory. I want them to serve and live their life in victory. I'm telling you, Israel at this point in time, they are shirking God's power in their life. Verse 4, yet, in spite of all this, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. I did know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. You see, sixthly, they have a short memory. They've forgotten who brought them out of bondage, who brought them out of adversity, who brought them out of affliction. Out of affliction. You think about our nation. Some of you have been alive long enough to remember what happened when the Twin Towers were attacked. You remember the shock and the agony that was going on in our nation and our churches were filled right after this. I mean filled to capacity. But we've got a short memory. We've got a short memory of just what God has already brought us through. I'm just telling you, verse number five, verse number five, verse number six. According to their pastor, here's the sixth, seventh one. According to their pastor, so they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, have they forgotten God. Preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about superabundance. I look around here. God has blessed you beyond measure. If you've got room for it, God has filled it. Your closet is filled. I see all the time having a closet clean out, having a closet clean out, having a closet clean out. Like it's some burden to you. I got to get rid of all this stuff. Why? Because I got to get new stuff. Y'all are laughing, but it's the truth. God has blessed you with super abundance. You've got more to throw away off your plate than you actually can eat. You think about all the pans fulls and plate fulls and, and all the jar fulls of provision and supplies God's give you out of your garden or give you from some shopping trip. God has blessed you beyond measure. And you sit here and act like, I don't really have anything. I just want more. I'm just telling you, Israel has been so filled with superabundance that they forgot that they needed God. They forgot where it came from. Look at verse 6 and underline it. Don't look at me like I'm just making it up. He says in verse 6, Therefore have they forgotten God. There's the charges of their forgetting the Lord. Do you think our nation is guilty? And therefore I would submit to you that many of our church, if not all, we are guilty in one of those seven areas of forgetting God. Preacher dear, and I came for an encouraging message. This is it. I'd hate to get one of judgment, Preacher Darren. Number two, what are the consequences of forsaking the Lord? Look with me in verse number seven. Therefore, I will be unto them as a lion. As a leopard by the way will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps. What does that mean, Preacher Darren? Bereaved of her whelps. That's like a bear, a mother bear whose baby cubs have been killed and slaughtered by some other animal. What do you think that mama bear is going to do? 
she's going to be offended and she's going to be offensive-minded, not defense-minded. She's going to go on the prowl. She's going to go on attack. She's not going to put up with someone robbing her of her babies. Look with me. The Bible says, I will meet them as a bear that has bereaved her whelps and will rend the call of their heart. There I, will I devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to go into captivity again. If you read Daniel chapter 7, the lion is Babylon's symbol. The bear is the symbol of Medo-Persia. The leopard is the symbol of Greece. All three of them are lined up to ruin Israel. God has allowed it to happen. What are the consequences? Ruin. Let me say this to you today, church, if you'll hear me. When I was right back there, God said, Israel, you've destroyed yourself. You have ruined yourself. Preacher, I don't get it. Look in verse 10. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges of whom thou saidst, give me a king and princes. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. You see, here's the problem. They're faithless in sincere worship. They have always wanted, listen, God was their king. But they said, we want a king with skin on him. So we reject God as our king in theocracy. We want a king that we can see. And God in his anger and his wrath gave them a king that they could see. But that was their choice. That was their will. They didn't want God's will. They wanted their way. God gave them their way. And what happened? Saul disobeyed God. The nation ended up getting in a big split. They fought. Now the northern kingdom is divided against the southern kingdom. May I say this? Again, we see they are selfish in what they want and stubborn to do what God wants. Here's what happens. When you become faithless in your sincere worship, you will make a mess of things. Look with me in verse number 11. Verse 12. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is hidden. I've had someone preach one time, oh, how beautiful. Our sin is hidden. It's set up in a bag. It's taken away. That's not what it means. If you are selfish and stubborn and living in open rebellion, not doing what God has told you to do, like Ephraim, God's saying that your iniquity is bound up. In other words, it's reserved to judgment. It's hidden in that maybe others don't know what you're doing. But God said, I have reserved you for judgment. You are ripe for the picking. I'm telling you, our nation is ripe for God to ruin it. Many of our churches are ripe for God to ruin them because their sin is mounting and mounting and mounting and finally, it's bound up. They are following their sinful ways. Look with me. 13. The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He, you ought to underline this, is an unwise son. For he should not stay long in the place of breaking forth of children. They're foolish in their spiritual 
Wisdom. What do you mean, preacher Darren? A child, when it's ready for birth, when deliverance is there, the child is supposed to come on out into the world in which it's to be born. But God said, Israel is an unwise son. When I'm ready to deliver them, they want to resist my deliverance. They want to rebel against my hand. And how many of you know that a child that will resist being born will put the mother in jeopardy and also the life of the baby? And they don't even realize what a danger that they've entered into. I'm telling you today, church, to resist and to rebel against the moving and the delivering hand of God trying to lead you and move you forward is a foolish thing to do. Preacher, I'm not getting your help. Well, when you are ruined, then God brings retribution. What is his retribution? Verse 15. Though he be fruitful, that's his definition, Ephraim means fruitful, though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall spoil the treasure of all pleasant vessels. You know what he's saying? He said, I'm going to drop the blessings in your life. That literally scares me to death to know that if we, being warned of God, decide we'll continue on and sin more and more and more and we won't repent and we won't pray and we won't do what we should do, we're relying on, we're relying on, on Josh and on Caleb and, and Luke and, and Josh. We're relying on these guys to do it all for us. Well, we're just going to kick back and do our thing while they do it all. You're in danger that God is going to send retribution to you and he's going to drop his blessings. What a blessing to see the choir filled with people. But God said, I won't feel it anymore. What a blessing to see the church filled with his people. God said, I ain't going to feel it anymore. I'm going to let it do what you want to do. You want to do what you want to do? Then just do what you want to do. And when you do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. God is a holy God. He's a God of judgment. He's a jealous God. He's not, listen, if my wife came to me and said, listen, I've met another fella. I'm still going to be with you, Darren. I love you dearly. And I'm going to be with you on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm going to give you four days, but this other guy I'm going to give three days. No, bless God. That ain't happening. We're going to have a problem. Either I'm going to kill him or kill both of you. I don't know what I'm going to do, but something's going to happen. God's a jealous God. He's not going to put up with you serving him four days and serving the world three or serving the world six and serving God one hour of one day. God's not going to put up with it. He's a God of retribution. He said, I'm going to let things dry up. What if the next time, Miss Beverly, and all you singers that get up and Seth, y'all get up to sing. What if the next time y'all sing and you got, the, you got the ability and the talent to sing, but what if the congregation just sat there and said, I don't feel nothing. Well, the next time Preacher Darren gets in the pulpit to preach, he tries to preach a little heart out, and the Spirit of God does not move at all. 
What if you get in Sunday school class and you're trying to teach, but you're on your own? What, what if God decides, you know what, when you pray, I'm not listening. Just do, go to the altar, do your own thing, but I'm, I'm done with y'all. You'd be ruined. Do you realize how fragile you really are? You're one phone call away from disaster in your life. And God has all that power to protect you and supply you and bless you in his hand. And you say, no, nah, I got this. Honey, I'm telling you, God will give retribution. Oh, Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Look at this next verse and see if it fits where we are today. Samaria, that's their capital city. Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces. And their women with child shall be ripped up. Do you watch the news lately? Habas, beheading children, killing families. Oh, preacher, Darren, that's a terrorist group. God allowed those things to happen. Israel had rejected their Messiah and said his blood be on us and all our children. And it is. You really think you're so prideful and arrogant and bold to sit here and think, oh, I don't need God. I don't need him. God said by your choices, by your decisions, by your own hand, you have destroyed yourself. Some of you that are here that are not saved, when you end up in hell, you won't have anybody to blame but you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He sent a preacher to pray for you and to preach to you. He sent a people to love you, a mama and a daddy to tell you you ought to get saved. And you think, no, no, you're better than that. You'll have nobody to blame but yourself. Oh, Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Last of all, I'm done. Thirdly, what is then the comfort of following the Lord? O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, verse 9, but in me is thine help. I make foolish choices. I make bad decisions. Sometimes in our lives, we have the wrong companions. Sometimes we yield to compromise. And God says, when you've made a foolish choice and you've gone against my way, I want to tell you something. But... In me is thine help. When you've destroyed yourself, when you've ruined yourself, God says, but in me is thine help. Though you've done wrong, though you feel like you've gone too far, God's love still can reach you. God's mercy still can reach you. God's grace still wounds you. But in me is thine help. You've made a mess of things. Preacher dead, I don't know what I'm going to do. Honey, he said, in me is thine help. You may have made a mess of things, but I can fix things in your life. I can turn it around. Look at verse 14. Uh, verse 14. He says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, this is what he says to death. I will be thy plagues. God says, I'm going to be a plague to death. <laughs> oh, grave. I'll be thy destruction. He says, the grave, I'm going to destroy you. Kind of reminds me of a verse in the New Testament. Oh, grave, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, 
Where is thy victory? We've made a mess of things. But God said in this life that I've given you, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll get right with me, I will be your help. Well, glory to God. Have you ever felt in your Christian life a little bit of dullness? Maybe in your prayer life, dullness. Maybe in your Bible reading, dullness. But I remind you of something. You're still in the flesh. You're in a world that wants to lure you away by the power of the devil, wants to pull you away from the things of God. Chapter 14, verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord, for thou hast fallen by thy iniquity. Verse 2. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him. This is what you need to say to him. If you've made a mess of things, if you feel like preacher Darren, I've been prideful, I've been arrogant, I've been selfish, I've been stubborn, preacher Darren, he's right. Say this to him. Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So we will render the calves, that means the praise of our lips. Look what God said he'd do in verse 4. A lot of I wills here. He said, I will heal their backsliding. Amen. Woo. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I'm crawling around this building. I'm begging God for a move of God for his glory. I'm, I'm just telling you. My desire is to see you walk with God, to see you serve God. My desire is to see you live in victory, to see you stand in victory, to see you fight from victory, not for it, but from victory. That's my desire. God said, give me this verse, verse 9. Who is wise? Chapter 14. And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that's my message. Oh, Israel, oh, Bethel, thou hast destroyed thyself. If you have a problem today, you probably need to see your part in it. Thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me, is thine help. Our help is in God. It's not from some doctor's office. It's not from some lawyer's firm. It's not from some accounting service. It's not from the United States government. It's not going to come from your retirement check. It's not going to be when you just hold on and get your car paid off and get out of that house paid off and get out of debt. No, no. Your help. It's in the Lord. And today if you have a problem, if you have a family member with a problem, you need to bring that to the Lord and say, oh God, take away iniquity. God, we are sinful. At best, we're sinful. God, forgive us. You're a holy God. You go, oh God, you're set apart from anyone else. How dare I even speak to you? The only way you can come is in Jesus' name. You stand on your feet. I'm done. Seth, if you'd come to... Piano, please. I believe they sung my day. And you needed to hear what God spoke. I'm telling you, it helped me so much to know that I still have help 
in the Lord. I have sickness in my family. I still have help in the Lord. There are financial complications. I still have help in the Lord. There are issues that surround me, preacher, that are unexplainable. I still have help in the Lord. Preacher dear, there are things, preacher dear, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got choices to make. I need direction. Lord, I need guidance. I'm, I'm trying. Right now, won't you come say, God, I need guidance and direction. And my help is in the Lord. God, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you about this boy. I'm seeking you about this girl. I'm seeking you on my job. I'm seeking you in my family. I'm seeking you in my business. Come on right now. God's not done yet. God's still wooing right now. Come on, mind him. God bless you. Who else? Right now, come on. Maybe you're at home. Won't you bow your knee and say, Lord, I've really messed up in so many areas. But right now, I've made a mess of things. But I found out this today. But in you is my help. Paul, this morning, I ask your blessing today. God, would you hear me when I say, I'm sinful. We are sinful. We are stubborn. We are wayward. We don't want to hear the truth. We want to do our own thing. Seems like we put other things ahead of you. We get our priorities mixed up. We made wrong choices, wrong decisions. We've made a mess, Lord. Look at who we are. We're in a mess. <laughs> We've destroyed our own selves. God, would you forgive us? You said if we'd confess, you'd be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So, Lord, today as we confess our sins and our faults, take them from us, God. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. Remove them, Lord. And, God, would you love us freely? God, would you heal our backsliding? God, in you is our help. There is help in God. Help us, God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. <laughs>